0: between the pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This
1: is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between.
0: Today, to coincide with the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference taking place this month and Books That Matters, The Earth Is My Sister theme, this week's Recos are focused on books tackling sustainability and the climate emergency. Yes, and you know what?
1: We think we've found the perfect balance of books which will educate, inspire and motivate you to take action. Not going to lie, Jess, I was a bit apprehensive about this episode because whenever I think about the
0: climate crisis, I just get climate anxiety. I get really scared. That's exactly why I think we've done this in the best month, because October, well, on the 31st of October, Glasgow will host the 26th UN Climate Change Conference, and it goes on until the 12th of November. But... Since this October, lots of people are reading spooky and scary books to give them chills and keep them up at night. And that's exactly what these books do to me. 100%. So I actually think that this is terrifying. Terrific. Yeah, Scarier what, than any scarier book. Right? So I'm going to kick us off with one that terrified me in 100 pages. Oh, gosh. And that is No One is Too Small to Make a Difference by Greta Thunberg. Yeah, I mean, start with... the the mother right (laughs) right mother nature herself Greta so it's (laughs) the picture on the back
1: as well in her little
0: raincoat she's so great (laughs) she's so great no smiles over here what is there to smile about Lauren our house is on fire that's her I'm quoting Greta in case you're not that savvy Um, (laughs) but it's only 100 pages and that is because it's a collection of speeches that she has made at climate rallies she does also have a memoir called Our House is on Fire um, and it's uh, scenes of a family and a planet in crisis. And I am going to read that at some point. But anyway, this one hits home. Mm. I actually listened to it as an audio book because my library had it on Borrow Box. And does she narrate it? She narrates oh, it. Oh, my God. And I just and like, you should be just listening to her speeches. And I actually think a great idea to do, which I didn't. I wish I had, would be to listen to one each morning and then maybe throughout the day you'd make better choices all day long. Oh,
1: yeah. A bit like starting a day with meditation
0: B- by Set Greta. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like each day you'd be like, should I have this red meat? No. Should I drive to the supermarket or should I just walk? Yep. Should I be a dickhead? No. Thank you, Greta. So I just think that would be really good. Um, I'm going to share a particularly horrifying segment with you now that will make you scream like the white girl who gets killed off first in every scary film. <laughs> and that is, is actually really scary. It actually goes me goosebumps. Around the year 2030, 10 years, 252 days, and 10 hours away from now, when she gave the speech, we will be in a position where we set off an irreversible chain reaction beyond human control that will most likely lead to the end of our civilization as we know it. That is, unless in that time, permanent and unprecedented changes in all aspects of society have taken place, including the reduction of carbon dioxide emissions by at least 50%. That's nine years away. Actually, it's not. It's eight because it's October this year is basically done. Irreversible chain reaction that will end civilization. And you know
1: what? I just... I think that's what terrifies me the most because I do sort of feel like half of this is just totally out of our hands and why aren't the government taking it more seriously to like set new laws? Yeah. It's just, it's, I I don't really get it. Like why are they not shocked by by how soon this is? I imagine it's not just us who feels like this, Jess. I I think it's very apparent that we can't go living on like we are. So what better way to start committing to making a change because change starts with
0: every person um than with books and with educating ourselves books solve everything we know that um speaking of books i'm gonna move us on to our next one all right go on which i feel like we've got a lot to say about um, Uh, It's double the number of pages of the previous book. Don't worry, that's not a theme. I'm not going to keep doubling the number of pages. (laughs) This is The Bigger Picture, My Fight to Becoming the New African Voice to the Climate Crisis by Vanessa Nakate. Lauren, hit it with a synopsis. A bigger picture is Vanessa's groundbreaking exploration of why and how people from
1: the Global South, predominantly people of colour, are routinely omitted from the discussion on climate change, even though these communities contribute least to the problem and are suffering its consequences the most. For these communities, climate catastrophe is not a distant threat. It is happening right now. Named by Time Magazine as one of 100 young leaders shaping the future, Vanessa Nakate is an extraordinary new voice in the climate conversation. Her debut new book not only examines the links between climate crisis and anti-racism, feminism, education, and economics, but also charts her own inspiring journey to activism and outlines what we can all be doing to make a difference. Good blurb, for, good blurb. It is phenomenal. Like, I don't know about you, Jess, but I, like we've said, find books on this topic to be, can be quite scaremongery. And I totally understand why, but like we said earlier, this topic is just so serious and we need to take action. But if you feel already paralyzed from not knowing what you individually can be doing to rectify the situation for yourself, For the greater good of the planet then the last thing you want is to be terrified but her book has just found the perfect balance i think of delivering the facts and also making you feel like there is something you can be doing
0: yeah yeah this book gave me less of the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah this was more of a thriller than a horror i don't know if you've clocked on lauren but i'm absolutely going to make all of these books into spooky books But yeah, it's really readable. And I think partly because so much of it is like a memoir and her personal journey to becoming an activist that it feels more empowering in that way. As though if if I can do it or like she's, you know, as though she can do it as a black woman from Africa, then. I definitely can mm-hmm. which she doesn't outright say but that's what I took, took away from it, from it. yeah, yeah. Same,
1: totally. Um, and her passion for climate change is so authentic and just palpable throughout the whole book and she's mm-hmm. clearly done a huge amount of research into the topic area I first want to talk about the added importance this book carries because as she says from her experience countries from the global south so countries in Africa Asia and Arab states are too often not included in these conversations about climate change, but are the countries which are experiencing
0: the effect most devastatingly. Yeah. And um, she speaks often of how it's almost been taken as the authority of responsibility of white people to fix and be the heroes and faces of activism. And it's something she witnesses in her day to day experience of being an activist. So um, the book, there's a picture on the back of the book and it's her with, For other activists who are all white. One of them is um the G herself, Greta. Mm -hmm. And this got published and they cropped her out of the photo. And so that's sort of what kick started. Well, this book, it sort of kicks off with that situation in Davos Mm -hmm. where she has been cropped out. Um, But it also kind of launched her to fame. She was already an activist in her own right. Hello, she got invited to this event. Yeah. But she started off as other huge conversation and she says in it that she didn't just erase her from the photo they actually erased a continent in cropping her out they cropped out an entire well the whole of Africa essentially because she was the only representative for that part of the world yeah um
1: and I feel like that was a moment where if it had been anyone else there would have been so demotivated or embarrassed. But she, like you just said, instead she like took it and ran with it and used it to fuel her fire and took to social media and like demanded a response um for black people to be incorporated into these conversations because they have just silenced not just her but the whole of Africa. And if we're serious about fighting climate change, then voices like hers need to be included and they need a seat at the table.
0: Yeah, especially with her underlying... Well, actually, (laughs) we've talked about on here about how precious I am about my books. And I actually got out my bloody pen, not even pencil, and underlined so many quotes from this book. And this one in particular, um, she cites an Oxfam study, is why it's like even more devastating that she got cropped out of this picture because she says that a person in the UK will have emitted more carbon dioxide in the first two weeks of 2020 than someone in Uganda or six other African countries will in a whole year. That blew my mind when I read that
1: as well. And also just the unjustness of it as well. Like how is that okay? How do we have data like that in our society and Red flags aren't immediately triggered because it's just it's
0: disgusting. Especially it? because she goes on to say that Africa will bear almost half the cost of adapting to the consequences of climate change. Like they feel it the most. Like the worst effects happen there, but they're they're not even the contributors. Or they are, but not as significant. Yeah, well, not everyone as, is a
1: contributor, yeah. but do you know what I mean. Like yeah, um, and. She also touches on or explores how climate change is just as much an gender issue as it is um, a societal issue. And I knew that women have been more affected by the pandemic as a sex, more so than men, but she brought new perspectives and experiences to my attention that I hadn't considered or even understood until now. So for example, The bit where she talks about child marriages and how they've increased significantly during the pandemic is as a result of so many families no longer being able to eat because of the price. The price of food went up significantly, particularly in the global south. Um, And which meant that girls were either withdrawn from school because their families couldn't justify sending them, the cost of sending them, or... Um, were sold into marriages so that they could literally put food on their tables. And I, I don't know where she got this stat from, but she goes on to say up to 10 million girls could become child brides by 2030 as a result of the pandemic
0: alone. Can I just say that 2030 is not going to be it's a good going year? not a
1: good year. I don't know if I
0: want to be around for it, to be honest. Guys, we have to do something. <laughs> um, another line that I underlined was for two reasons. The first because she corrects everyone that the phrase natural disasters should be called climate disasters they shouldn't be natural we should yeah. start seeing them as natural yeah. but the second reason is linked to your point about um it being a gender issue and um will united- <laughs> <laughs> take that yours and i dog <laughs> um, the united nations development program has documented that in climate disasters women become targets for physical and sexual violence mm. which i hadn't really thought about but i'll just carry on the quote a bit um some farmers or landowners insist on trading sex with women for food or rent many victims of that abuse have to sleep on the streets which can be extremely dangerous kids too find themselves abandoned on the streets which where they could be preyed upon and exploited it's got chills oh my god like she <laughs> just encompasses so much into this book it's just knowledge awesome yes, yeah but really readable and attainable like it's so readable yeah
1: um I also love the quote, where is it? It's that the end
0: of a chapter,
1: like a team with half its players sitting out the game, we'll all lose and so will yeah.
0: I'm really glad that we have saved our chat until now. Rather than like WhatsApping about it. I genuinely
1: think she's incredible. She is. What she's done. And how,
0: um, what's the word? Like, Small, she started off. Yeah, she literally just thought, I'm going to protest one day. I'm just going to go and talk. maybe
1: yeah, wrap up a like few family members. School, had nothing to do for the summer and then educated herself, sort of learned more about climate change and was like, fuck this. How are we all just yeah. standing idly by, not doing anything? So, made a poster and stood outside a shopping centre for a little bit and put it on social media and eventually attracted the attention of none other than your mate, Gressa. <laughs> who picked her up on social media and and today she is one of the leading voices of climate change in the global south particularly in Africa
0: she's great we could fangal about her all day all day I'm going to move us on though to the book that came with our books that matter box for this month so the theme as we've said is the earth is my sister and it is a fictional novel called How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mbue. And I read it
1: this in day. <laughs> Did you gobble it up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Probably because it was so traumatising. <laughs> but um, it is, well, I wanted to move on to it now because it's set in Africa. And so I almost wish I'd read these back to back, having like read Vanessa's first and then moved on to this one. But um, I actually went back to my Instagram review just to look over again. And I remember now that I read it after just watching um, the Chernobyl drama. (laughs) That was a fun honestly. But it was really weird because I was reading about, well, reading about a place that was being infected, if you will. Yeah after just reading about this real-life situation where, like, wow. they were infected by radiation. like, So it's, mm. um, it's set in a fictional African village, Kosawa, in the 80s, and the people there are living and dying from the poisoning of their water ever since an American oil company set up on their land. I mean, fictional, but
1: very real as well. Yeah, Can oh, absolutely.
0: Anyway. Um, the pipeline spills have intoxicated the drinking water, but the country's corrupt government are not keeping their promises of a cleanup. So some of it is narrated by the protagonist, Thula, but then some of it is narrated by the children of Kosowa like as a whole. Mm. So it's quite cool. It keeps the narrative moving because it is really slow paced, but then you've got these different narrators and like totally different styles and, and just like the growing passion of the villagers to fight for their land, like builds and builds and builds. And like, the protagonist is just like a completely different person by the end of the book, which could be because so she is the only person that leaves to go to America. And then in doing so, she like broadens her knowledge of activism and she comes back with such a fire in her belly to wow. save her home. And I loved that. And I love that she came home um, and there's a really cool quote where um, the local government say, what can one angry woman do? oh yeah yeah she's like oh I'll show you (laughs) so it is just like so beautiful and poetic I think it's a really good choice for books that matter to have chosen this month and the hardback cover is gorgeous but thankfully so is the paperback cover it's a different one but still equally as gorgeous and lovely and I like that they chose a fictional book yeah
1: in the box as well I thought it was going to be non-fiction
0: well because so much around this topic, topic is yeah, yeah good definitely. good point um okay so moving
1: us on but keeping us on to books that matter so also included in this month's box is an e- extract from Aja Barber's book called Consumed the need for collective change, colonialism, climate change and consumerism. And it's a tiny extract of what is very clearly a very impactful book. And I loved it. It was like a a nice little appetizer for what you're about to get into should you buy the full copy, which I think people should. And she sort of looks at specifically colonialism through the industry of fashion and consumerism, and the need for us all to sort of educate. And she, I like how she sort of lists questions at the bit, at the beginning, saying, "Okay, just for a moment." look around you look at the clothing you're wearing and then try to envision the face of the person who made the garment you're wearing what color was their skin how much money do they make monthly and like sort of probing the reader to start reviewing their own life and their own sort of impact towards this crisis and arguably arguably fashion is one of the you know the biggest um Contributors Contributors to um, Climate Crisis. And then she looks at it from the lens of colonialism more specifically, um, and how colonialism colonialism is deeply and intrinsically linked to racism and um, the slave trade and how that has impacted through to the climate crisis. So, yeah, I mean, I think this book will be terrifying when you read it um but really important as well because um i think most people in the western in western societies probably buy into fashion brands that don't have the most ethical or moral um
0: well predominantly yeah like that's the norm not be ethical yeah exactly <laughs> all this fast fashion yeah it is um i liked when you said it was an appetizer because mm. it is it's it's a very short extract but also it has enticed me it's left <laughs> me wanting more it's wet my appetites. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so i can't re- wait to read it in full the Next Reco is actually a book you brought me, Jessica, for my birthday last year. And it is Lily Cole's book, Who Cares Wins? Reasons for Optimism in Our Changing
0: World. Oh, yes. And so we just like the cover, didn't we? We loved <laughs> it. We really loved it. It's like... Um, classic a, a penguin classic that's been like painted onto a cover of a book I don't even think I definitely didn't know what it was about when you just was like oh yeah by that um, cool cover did you know I saw
1: reasons for optimism in a changing world and I was like yeah I need a little bit of that um but don't be fooled there's not a lot to be optimistic about <laughs> well we know 2030 is a bad one <laughs> false advertising Lily um but and it's, it's largely about how Lily has met with most, uh, most of the most inspiring minds of our time who are working on solutions to the biggest challenges that our world is facing right now. And as global warming is reaching, as we've said, terrifying heights of severity, she explores Just some of the options for a a more, we could all be living a more sustainable future and creating a more sustainable future. And it's all a collection of essays. So I'd really recommend um, it's one to have on the go. It's quite chunky and it's quite terrifying in parts as most books on this topic are. Well, it is spooky October, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) You walked right into that I really did. Um, So I'd recommend dipping in and out of it. Um, unlike what I did I read it all in one go largely in the bath actually and it terrified me it really really terrified me but it also inspired me and made me look at my own life and I was living with my family at the time and I was harassing all of them into what they should be doing Um, like my family are big meat eaters so I was like okay one day a week will you not eat meat because that is the most easy and most effective way that we we as individuals can be tackling climate
0: change I don't know if it's the most easy it would have the biggest effect yeah one day I don't think you could expect people to go vegetarian no
1: totally but what she's saying is one day a week if people had say bought into meet free monday it is the most effective way that you could be taking the climate crisis into into your hands and do something positive i didn't know she was so active in i thought this she was space. just a model i thought she was just a model um but she's done a really good job of providing a two-sided account to the issues and um the issues that we as a society in a world globally are are facing and i think there is a a danger to often simplify um oversimplify the solutions to climate change like believing you just plant a couple of trees and offset your carbon carbon footprint but um or simplistically thinking that it's all down to government to make the changes and not us but she acknowledges that Although we don't have all the answers, she does present us with a lot of important questions we must be asking ourselves and the brands that we buy from, which I think is brilliant.
0: Yeah. So thanks for buying me that. You're very welcome. I'm glad I had such a nice cover and it enticed us in. It's also interesting because it has nothing to do with the book. You read, So you read this a while ago? I got yeah, you I read it ago. in January. January, okay. Um, I asked you that, knowing the answer, because I want to move us on to a book that we read earlier this year. Nice and nice that was, away. oh, it's my little pile. That was The Loneliest um, Polar Bear by Kale Williams. And it presents the troubles of global warming and the devastating future of climate change alongside the story of one polar bear's life and journey in captivity. So um, for those that don't know, I worked for a conservation charity that was based at a zoo. Um, so I was really invested in this book because it looks at both sides and it is a really tricky subject like so Mm. so many people are anti-zoos and for all the right reasons wild animals shouldn't be kept in captivity they're supposed to live on miles and miles of land and roam all around it each day completely appreciate that you're absolutely right but then having worked for the conservation arm to fund the work being done to protect pangolins and rhinos in africa or cleaning the oceans of fishing nets whilst giving locals employment I do see a place for zoos as educational. Mm. We will never get people to care about a species if they haven't seen them up close or if they don't know much about them. And there's also instances. So the um, organization I worked for, they were involved with the reintroduction of a species that had gone extinct mm. and they bred them in a zoo and then released them in the wild. Now they're not extinct anymore. So it's a really tricky argument. I think both there's yeah. pros and cons of both, but um the way that this book talks about the wider picture in the big wide world and then also this one little lonely sad part where yeah. it's really clever the way it balances and you're like so invested in both parts really, of the book.
1: Really are. And just on that, I think maybe when zoos were set up originally or like you know hundreds of years ago they weren't set up for the right reasons but the no. reasons that zoos exist today I think as you say provide so much for the planet and for climate change and the extinction of animals that they that I would say there is a need for them now it's yeah not just for entertainment
0: yeah you're right that's such a good way of putting it because I mean back in the day it was awful they would do like chimpanzee picnics and things and like yeah yeah it was just mad, but yeah, you're right now it's like they've everyone knows that animals aren't born in captivity. you know like yeah. they're, they're not that's not naturally where they're from, but now we're making changes to make it better and use you know putting some um positive changes in place to protect
1: the wider the world species. so I think that's a really yeah, good way exactly. of
0: putting it um and I really love this book as well
1: i I wasn't like mad on the idea of going into it um but as soon as you know I met. What's his face? The polar bear. When Nora. He's born. Nora. <gasps> little baby Nora. As soon as I met Nora and we were sort of on the journey of nurturing her, she Nora was a little polar bear that was born at the zoo. And she's just she's very famous. She's she, very famous. <laughs> she's got a lot of um, old views on the old YouTube. Um, and Yes, I was on the journey of her survival, basically, because a lot of polar bears born in captivity uh, don't survive um, outside of their um, natural environments because it is really hard to nurture a polar bear. This particular polar bear had been um, disowned by the mother. Yeah, the mum
0: didn't want it, yeah. Yeah,
1: so they had to really look after her like in sort of incubators like you would a newborn baby but to much 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 more specific um environments and temperatures well there was also loads
0: of things they didn't quite know because it was a polar bear and they had to like learn
1: had to like sort of come up with a recipe for to create the milk that she needed and the right sort of balance of ingredients so it was so powerful and you you go on Nora's journey with her from birth all the way through to her whole life can I just say
0: props to us for remembering this book so well I know really really vivid didn't read it I just had such a vivid memory of reading it in the garden and and it was that extract about the milk yeah (laughs) oh my god um
1: because it's so complicated and I had so much respect for the um are they zoologists looking after her zookeepers. and yeah. looking after her and um you know just being like so passionate about making sure that she survived and all the while there is this sort of other story that's going on about um polar bears in the wild and um how they're sort of you know a scary creature a scary animal and um often come under um poaches
0: yeah um so it's nice great so well balanced really readable lovely moments scary moments spooky moments <laughs> so spooky no this one's more like a um Shaun of the dead not that it's funny i mean i'm still get scared but, know. but you know what i mean like it's it's yeah. easy but also there's a few scary zombies yeah yeah yeah
1: totally
0: okay while we are talking about how i used to work for a conservation charity at a zoo I would like to, I don't even know if um, I've spoken to you about this yet, but I was on LinkedIn, mm. scrolling, scrolling, and I saw that one of my old colleagues has just published a book with Canongate oh. and it's called The Biggest Footprint and it's by Rob and Tom Sears. And it is very clever. It's like, I've bought this myself. He doesn't even know that I have book <laughs> recos. I've, I've gone away and bought this and I'm now recording it because I've read it. To look at, it looks like a children's book. It's like a big hardback and it's predominantly illustrations and whilst it definitely could be bought for a gift for a child it's it's like a book for everyone it just Mm. happens to look like a children's book if that makes sense but it's so clever so there's um eight billion humans on the planet on the planet and so what they've done is smushed all of those humans into one big mega giant and then the whole book is like the illustration of like how big the mega giant is and then for scale for example they've put the shard which kind of just goes up to the ankle of the mega giant and then like they've smushed all of the tigers in the world together to make one giant tiger but actually that giant tiger is just the size of the fingernail Such of the giant a good idea I mean, I'm going to have to maybe show some of the pages on our Instagram because this is a more of a visual thing. Yeah. But it's so clever, and actually, your meat point—I think I actually tabbed this because it was really crazy. So um, they created a mega burger, which is um, a mega patty made from all the meat humans produce in a year. Wow. And it's 1.8 kilometers across. Which, um, and then it says, serving suggestion, place mega burger on top of Tabletop Mountain in South Africa, 2.5 kilometers across. And then, like, it shows the giant eating the burger, but then actually only eats a third and chucks away the rest. Yeah. Because one third of the food we work so hard to produce each year ends up here making a pile of over two kilometers high of waste. Like, it's so fascinating, but so cool to see. And um, it does end really nicely as well does it yeah so this one is a bit spooky <laughs> <laughs> but the drawings are fab and it's like gives you little tips at the end i think i i kind of plan to buy it for so many people as gifts because it's firstly it just looks so lovely it's to gorgeous. receive as a gift but then also like packs such a punch i'm so glad i went on linkedin that day i'm a bit shit at linkedin (laughs) but this time
1: it was worthwhile that sounds amazing and in the books of box each month you get a little magazine and this month they've shared some recos for more books which we intend to dive into such as climate justice by mary robinson and ecofeminism by
0: maria miles and vedana shiva This box is also a little starter pack for your own eco journey and it's got reusable face pads, vegan chocolate and sustainable lip balm. What is not to love? So if you'd like to win a box
1: this month, there are two ways to enter. If like me, you listen on Apple Podcasts, then subscribe, leave a rating and review and use your Instagram handle as your nickname.
0: Or if, like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Insta tagging at bookrecos, we can count your entry that way.
1: Entries for the October box close on
0: Monday, the 25th of October and will be announced on our Insta on Wednesday, the 27th of October. If you're listening to this at a later date, then don't worry, it's a monthly competition, so still enter and we'll count your entry towards whatever box it is at the time. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.